Take my mic off. Wow. Okay. I... <laughs> take off my uh, mic. Take off my mic. Sorry, listen, this is going to take me a minute um, to get <laughs> to re- reprogram my brain. Okay, here we go again. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Take <laughs> Off My Mic, uh, a podcast about reality TV, etc. Um, it's also the podcast that never misses. That <laughs> is the number one podcast in this group. It is the um, I'm a great fucking friend of podcasts. Uh, and <laughs> It is, <laughs> and it is uh, your the one pod- podcast that is not about the pasta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is uh, the podcast, your podcast or your podcast. And I am your co-host Dylan. I'm joined by my lovely co-host Kate, and we're here to today talk about uh, Married at First Sight briefly, mm-hmm. uh, and then in a surprise twist. We're going to spend some time on giving, exploring our takes on this latest royal family drama, uh, etc. I do think there's like a cohesive thread there in that recently it was announced that Lifetime is releasing a movie trilogy about Harry mm-hmm. and Meghan. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I think last episode we kind of started grappling with this question of like, wh- what is Lifetime <laughs> and like what messaging of a capitalist machine trying to sell something specifically to women is like coming out of lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I do think that like the subject of lifetime taking on the Royal family through this Americanized lens is like an important component of that broader discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is all connected. Uh, (laughs) I will, I will add that uh, I think there's a connection between, well, I mean, I don't know. I guess in thinking about the royal family and thinking about Married at First Sight, I'm thinking a little bit too about institutions mm-hmm. and uh, tradition hmm. and conservative conservatism and uh, the politics hmm. of those. And I think there are a lot of threads connecting them. Um, yeah, they're not as like desperate, I think, as as um, they might seem at first. So we'll just kind of see what connections we end up drawing. Um, but those are that's like generally our subject matter today. Um, so uh, just you know, relax. I hope you you know get your coffee, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> settle in, <laughs> whatever yeah. you do when you listen to this. I don't know. Maybe you're gardening, and you're. It's we're just sort of like music in the background. Whatever. Um, we'll take we'll all take of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, let's go married at first sight first. Um, what's uh, what's your vibe? Let's do vibe check. Great. I think I historically don't like the one month anniversary episodes because they tend to be like we're looking back on our relationship, which I don't think is old enough to be nostalgic about yet. (laughs) Sure, sure. And it does feel, you know, as we've talked about, I think sometimes the format of the show kind of like undermines traditional ideas of marriage and norms Mm -hmm. 
but in a lot of ways, the one month anniversary feels very much like a course correction back towards that all the time yeah. by making mm-hmm. them kind of reflect on these like weddings specifically as the happiest time that they've had so far, even though that's why they didn't know each other. Right. So I don't like love them, but mm-hmm. how was your vibe? Mm. Um, you know, pretty low. Uh, this this episode yeah. was definitely kind of a bummer. Um, I also don't really like this episodes because they're. I don't find it interesting to watch them watching their vow ceremony. Um, mm-hmm. And I think something that also struck me about this was. Um, Sometimes I wonder, like, if they can actually afford to do the things that, like, if not budgeted, mm-hmm. uh, like, included in the in the sort of production budget, could they afford to celebrate their one month anniversaries and the fashions <laughs> that they do sometimes? Like, Vincent yeah. is, for example, oh. is what like a struggling sort of entrepreneur, and we're to expect mm-hmm. that he arranged a private sort of boat dinner thing. Um, <laughs> I I was just like, okay, I. I there's something there's something about that that was that I I fa- I don't know why in particular I found that so offensive but it was just like maybe it goes to this like oh look we've had this kind of weird charming and charmed time and mm-hmm. it uh it reminds me of the bachelor when you know when they're looking at all of these things they're looking back at the relationship and and the things that kind of animated are these like extraordinary things that mo- normally they probably want to be able to do um yeah and that it's not actually a good sign of like what's going to happen in the future because they won't ever do this stuff again uh it's a sometimes so, so for some of them sometimes i'm wondering are you gonna i don't know if your expectation becomes this is what we're going to do to celebrate and this whatever um i don't mm-hmm. know i don't always know how realistic that is so um you know what i mean yeah well and i think the function of it is weird like i think when it works it tends to be because the couple is already likes each other right Mm -hmm. and in that case i would rather see this kind of reflection right before decision day because i think it would feel more sincere Mm -hmm. and for the couples where it's clearly not working for them it's like always really awkward and i feel like functions to be like a remember your vows like this is serious like double Mm -hmm. down like threat almost and it just mm-hmm. like undermines that part of it for me which i don't like <laughs> yeah so. yes it definitely feels yeah. like a threat the the you know like uh you're sort of remember your obligation you know recommit totally. and i think like nowhere was that clear or more uncomfortable than with Haley and jacob this week mm-hmm. like I cannot believe how much like breath I have wasted discussing this fucking couple that hates each other. (laughs) (laughs) And this week just like reminded me of that, you know? Yeah. I, um, I had like, um, sort of really like horribly uncomfortable sort of revelation when I was watching Hmm. their dinner scene. Um, I think, so like in the you know in, in the past weeks I've definitely been with you on the you know that like Jacob is not great, um, mm-hmm. but I think there was a part of me that was just kind of, and I don't think this is a hundred percent my fault. Um, I, I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love you. Sorry, I love you teeing it up like <laughs> yeah, right. teeing up your lack of accountability. Right, <laughs> so, <laughs> so just laying the groundwork here. Um, I think that I 
before I get to the part that wasn't 100% my fault, I think the part of me that was like not necessarily sympathetic to Jacob, but was kind of a little bit more neutral was mm-hmm. that when we when we were thinking that he would might be on the spectrum, oh, yeah. I yeah. thought I think that like I felt it was more complicated for me to try and like understand how to make sense of what I was seeing from him because mm-hmm. you know we thought that he was on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <laughs> for, my like, fault. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I mean to say this is your fault. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't see Jacob clearly. Um, <laughs> although, of course, with with more time, he is. We, we've learned more here. But um, also, I think the narrative, and the, the, I've been really frustrated by this now, especially, is that the narrative seems mm-hmm. to be uh, like everybody is telling Haley that uh, the reason that she is perhaps questioning, like the reason for her behavior, is because she has control issues, and because maybe it's his personality, or maybe because she you know, just hasn't been in relationships or whatever. Um, and that's why she can't feel anything in relation to him. Um, and I think I've largely, I've put some, I guess I've been like willing to entertain that a little bit like that. Okay. For both of them, this is sort of what's happening, but Mm -hmm. that dinner scene, I just like the way that he, it was the way that he, um, seemed to uh, bombard her with these accusations that she doesn't even quote see him or like looks through him Mm -hmm. when they're in the same room Um, and it was like her reaction to that I think her reaction to it was what I was like oh god I I think I understand this man better Um, because she seemed to me genuinely confused like genuinely Mm -hmm. shocked genuinely like you know um, yeah sort of so blindsided really by these accusations and I while I do, do believe that she's not into him as she said um I would also believe that she has been trying um in part because yeah. perhaps she feels pressured to um but that like she has been trying and so I think that especially because it was framed by him saying you know still being really mad that I guess they don't have sex anymore um mm-hmm. a, a, like that he seemed to decide that he like he he, he seemed resentful and angry mm-hmm. about it still and mm-hmm. was accusing her of being um sort of shallow and i guess two-faced and fake um and i just like even though they've already talked about this uh both like several times um it just to me felt like really and it was just like that weird smirk on his face you know yeah. i just thought oh okay see this like this man is um manipulative he's like uh he doesn't listen like he doesn't he clearly doesn't mm-hmm. listen and take her feeling seriously um as evidenced by him just being like it's a hug it's a hug. You're what, like sort of this repetition that like he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to care that she's uncomfortable um or thinks that it's just not it's like illegitimate basically and i was just like oh okay okay i i'm glad that we saw this because i don't think we've as clearly seen Mm -hmm. like him without really any i think moral high ground or even perceptibly like moral high ground or whatever just sort of lay out that he 
what he is really what he really cares about um mm-hmm. and like kind of how he actually feels um and to sort of try and I, I think like twist the knife or put on like pile on more pressure actually um so yeah mm-hmm. seeing that was just like whoa I uh, this is bad um this is like I was like physically uncomfortable I like just seeing that uh, I was like this is really bad and I it, it's shitty that everybody is can seems to be gaslighting her into thinking that like she bears some responsibility for him like being a total psychopath (laughs) totally well and she said I mean like to her credit she has done nothing but like articulate what she needs which is just like they have no shared experiences like they never have fun together because he's constantly like on her for not instantly liking him like just punishing her Mm -hmm. and she's saying like I just need shared time right and like Mm -hmm. shared space like just and you know it's not like she's like so unattractive and that she's closed off to it but he I think as aided by Dr. Viv (laughs) is just like (laughs) harping on her instead of just like listening and give her what she wants and Mm -hmm. it's just like really uncomfortable and I'm stressed out that no one's intervening like yeah 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 it's um yeah just sort of a really bad vibe and feeling there and Mm -hmm. um it's not yeah especially just it was her reaction I think was like really what did it for me you know like I really believe that she was just like blindsided and this isn't the first time it's like never the first time you know by now like this sort of thing has probably happened a lot um and this kind of whiplash effect thing I think that she's experiencing him like you know trying to make it it's like trying to this whole like you know make her feel bad for not liking him um that it like means that she somehow it, it it's like a character flaw of her that she doesn't mm-hmm. like him um or isn't interested in him um that's the part where i was like oh yeah yep mm, this is bad like get out of there this is really bad yeah it's so wild too because like I think he thinks he has this like unquestionable moral high ground, like mm-hmm. ace in the hole that she's shallow and yep. she thinks mm-hmm. he's weird, you know, mm-hmm. and that's being reinforced by Viv and like yep. the show. But I, to me, it's like so obviously wrong, but I also follow uh, the Married at First Sight MAFS fans mm-hmm. account on Instagram because mm-hmm. there's just like so little Married at First Sight media. And also shout out to them. Everyone should follow them. Great spoilers, great content, <laughs> nothing but praise for them. But they ran like a poll of if people were team Haley or team Jacob and people like overwhelmingly in that audience, at least sided with Jacob in all of this. And I, I can't even like make a case for that stuff. And I'm a Chris apologist. Like I'm not going in at this with like, you know, fuck all the men, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I really am open to seeing his side here and it's just like not clicking for me. I don't know if you have any insight. Um, I think, I think it's because of editing. I think it's, I think it's because in every, I think that uh, Jacob has successfully focused the problem, at least on his end, is that she has, um, well, well, let me actually let me first say I think the damning thing really is first that is like the hotel incident when she went down to hang out with like the other yeah. wives and then the other the husbands came and she didn't 
call him and let him know that um mm-hmm. i mean that was he's awful i guess but at, at, that's still shitty and i think mm-hmm. that um yeah you know that, that's yeah that's shitty and i think that that combined with um this sense that she like she has realized or like that combined with the fact that she sort of realized that she's not really like she's not into not doesn't feel connected um and that his reaction he's like i think to that has just been like oh you know like you're you've been two-faced and like you're shallow or whatever i think that's created like a narrative that production has also facilitated um Mm -hmm. and also that like her friends and dr viv have also emphasized to her is that you know like it's not just that he's weird it's also that you're you know x y and z yeah um and that those things may be true like that's the thing that's hard it's like it may be true that maybe she's a bit controlling or that she um you know is trying to adjust to being in a relationship that you know when she hasn't been in a relationship in a long time um oh that's true i'm sure totally it's also true though that he's a nightmare uh and that he and that he is like not taken any he's actually not taken any sort of accountability or ownership in the fact that like he won't give her any space um keeps pressuring her into doing stuff and that he's like literally not listening to what she says and doesn't really care um Mm -hmm. has taken no sort of has not accepted or acknowledged any of that at all Mm um and uh one thing that um yasmin pointed out when when we were watching this was that um and this is kind of a broader thing that that she noticed was that the person who wants to take things slower is always the problem interesting you know like if you think about it like yeah the even in um even across these relationships um Mm -hmm. so with a claire and ryan for example Mm -hmm. the the narrative has become that the problem with this relationship is that Ryan wants to take things slow. And, mm-hmm. and if you think about like sort of this outside of this weird, like experiment thing, is it like just a normal relationship? Would it really be, would we really think it was a problem if somebody was like, yeah, I don't really want to have sex right away. Or right. I will, you know, like we probably be like, yeah, okay, cool. Like that's probably smart. Like you should, you know, like if you're uncomfortable, if you're unsure, you should probably wait. But in this yeah. context, it's a problem. And that part of the reason it's an issue is because it's um it's in the it's like the interest of production, I think, for people to have sex. It's in, in the interest mm-hmm. of production to show that people can like become really intimate really quickly, that they can mm-hmm. form these strong bonds that will last beyond the show, that it works. They need to show mm-hmm. that it works and that it's dramatic and interesting. And somebody going like, well, you know, I don't really want to have sex or, oh, like I am slower to warm or, oh, you know, whatever. Um, it can be, it doesn't have to be, but I think it's treated as an issue, like some obstacle to overcome um, by everyone. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what makes that tricky then is like, you know, if there's more pressure around having sex, then I don't know. I I think it it raises questions about like how um I don't know. I think it raises questions for some couples, maybe not all of them, but for some people about like 
when they choose to have sex in this context and like the pressure that they might feel to do that. And also, you know, this sort of assumption that like, well, when you're married, that married people have sex. And so we're like, you know, they always do this. They're like, well, we're married. So like, we should be having sex. And it's just like, Ooh, you know, it's like how many couples yeah. are just having sex because they feel like it's expected of them and not necessarily because they're actually ready or interested, you know? Um, and that, that was something that came mm-hmm. up when we were talking about it. And, um, but I just, I kind of wanted to, to, um, um, bring up just because it, that's what is partly what's happening in this show. And it, it makes sense. Like why production would be kind of side with Chris or not, uh, not Chris, um, Jacob here and like pressuring yeah. Haley to like get with the program, you know, because they don't care if she feels uncomfortable. They're really interested in them having sex and the resulting sort of fireworks mm-hmm. or whatever. Hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like, especially because if we're thinking of this episode as like, I mean, I do think it's really easy to get lost in time with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as this is a reminder that it's literally only been one month, <laughs> like yeah. even uh. if someone was dating someone seriously for a month, it's like not out of the question that they wouldn't have had sex. Like I would right. never, like a friend of mine was like, no, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. Um, right. And so it is interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting to like think on that and then reflect back on like the Ryan and Clara situation mm-hmm. and like everything that's happening. Like I could, and I can't believe I'm becoming a Ryan apologist. I'm, you no, can talk me out of this I'm, at no, any no, point, no. but I'm, like I'm right there with you. Actually, that's one thing I was going to bring up. Fuck, man, <laughs> no consistent viewpoints on this pod, but <laughs> you know, I I can I guess understand and respect like feeling that pressure from production, which obviously is like not going to be acknowledged on the show, and wanting to dig your heels in and say like I want to do this because I'm ready and not because the show wants us to have sex. Mm-hmm. And that's not a discussion they will ever air, but like, I can respect that. Do I think Ryan is communicating about that very well and is still controlling? Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. but yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up with Ryan because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same place. Like, yes, I believe that his gen, like being withholding is a, a strategy related to control, like in a general Mm -hmm. way, like often, um, and because we don't hear much from him really about like what he we i don't know like we don't hear that much from him and so it we, it seems to me yeah. that he's trying to manage his perception the the way that mm-hmm. he's perceived here and um that sex and and not wanting to seem like whatever uh sort of his disinterest in having it perhaps at this point in time especially when they they're recorded um is about that and and um that it does affect clara because it you know it affects clara obviously um the thing that made me more a question i think the my hard line on ryan a little bit was the fact (laughs) that clara is moving into his house and you know and it's like okay what conversations are they having off camera because i'd be willing to believe i'm sure that he's probably a little bit more forthcoming a little bit more communicative like off camera because like yeah clara doesn't seem to she didn't seem to be having a great time this episode but she's moving things into his house so it's like how big a deal is this actually Mm -hmm. what is this really a deal breaker because you're moving boxes one box into his house every day you know so there's this totally. like so I, I wonder if 
her discomfort we could attribute to the fact that he has maybe communicated that he's becoming increasingly uncomfortable mm-hmm. on camera and that like he, there's things that he's not interested in talking about or he's tired of being pressured and he just mm-hmm. doesn't want to feed into it and yeah it's being pointed out um what are the odds that Clara told him that Dr. Viv hazarded a guess that he right. was a virgin and he's a liar uh, a, and, a and lying he's, virgin right a yeah. lying virgin and he was like the fuck yeah what so this is what this is what production is trying to do like mm-hmm. oh fuck that you know like mm-hmm. I, I like if you ask me like if god forbid if you ask me and i were on this like experience <laughs> and she was like yeah so um dr viv kind of was just guessing that you were or better yet if she said so i don't really know how to say this but are you a virgin is that what you haven't been telling me and i was like what mm-hmm. where'd that come from it's like oh well you know dr viv just sort of suggested that that might be what's going on here i'd be like oh yeah i'm i'm not cool with that you know so Mm -hmm. uh, that's the thing is i I, with them especially i get the sense that things are happening off camera that are giving clara it seems a little more reassurance than than are happening on camera um and i think ryan has grown even more reticent on camera like (laughs) in the last two episodes and i think there's reason for that all of which is to say okay yeah i've i've I, yeah stepped back from my hardline anti-ryan stance um and have become yes as as you more apologetic um yeah i think we could recast ourselves as not necessarily ryan apologists but we're just producer skeptical yes yes right we're like yes and i could empathize skeptics yeah i'm like i can empathize too like if he is especially coming from like a christian background and is sensitive about how he's portrayed on TV and how his family is portrayed on TV. Mm -hmm. Like I could see if you're constantly being produced in such a way that they're asking you to talk about sex all the time. And you find out that Dr. Vib's trying to lay a storyline that you're a virgin. I could see that being high pressure, you know, I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Uh Huh? Any, Um, uh, Oh, what were you gonna say? I have a tiny, it's like not a spoiler, but it's like spoiler adjacent. Maybe lay it on me. Okay, so without revealing what happens with Paige and Chris at Decision Day, apparently, like, from friends, they continue to, like, hang out and break up even after filming started stopped. <laughs> like, I guess this thing they're doing is, like, more sincere than I think we calculated it was previously on our last episode, but they stay on and off for, like, weeks and weeks after filming. <laughs> uh whoa what, what do you make of that i <laughs> i was gonna text it to you this week but i was like i gotta get this reaction live because i was like what the fuck um uh fuck i feel like that just really scrambled my brain um yeah. i'm just like i i feel like um their whole back and forth it like every time i think i, I get a handle on it they do something else and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't think I understand this at all again. Um, what is you, so what is your, t- you've had more time to, to, to think about this. I'm just curious, like, what is your take on that? I guess I've been like reflecting back on my previous like theorizing about Paige. And I think in retrospect, 
that was attractive to me because it gave Paige a lot of like agency and meant that she wasn't as maybe trapped by kind of like Christian notions of marriage and womanhood and Mm -hmm. that she was doing something while failing at least savvier than Uh just like playing (laughs) by these rules right Mm -hmm. and it takes all of that out of that zone for me and puts it in just like I don't know, like shitty college friends who just like keep hooking up and won't stop. And like, you're (laughs) fucking sick of hearing about it, but they just keep doing it. Like (laughs) into just like annoying acquaintance zone, I guess for me, I have, I have, yeah, I have no like organizing theory anymore about what's going on. Uh, Yeah. I like the, I like the uh, sort of analogy of like college friends who are just sort of (laughs) in, it's sort of in this weird cycle where they, you know, or and addicted to sort of the drama. Um, mm-hmm. That's perhaps that is, I guess, to, like this is going to be like, I am fine with this being like our take now to be revised later, but um, that's yeah. my feeling. Um, they, because like I was on this whole, watching this episode, I was on this whole thing about like, oh, like I'm looking at Chris through a new lens and now I feel like he's yeah. held captive and like he's the one telling the <laughs> truth all the time and Paige is lying. Um, and uh, they had that flashback when she was, when they were in on their honeymoon and she was asking him like, why didn't you tell me this, this and this or whatever? And he was like, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't ask about any of it what I told you. <laughs> um, and when he's accusing her of like not wanting to talk off camera, he then like only wanting to have these conversations on camera. Um, I thought that stuck to me. Like I, I felt like that yeah. was accurate. And the fact that she didn't, de- she didn't deny it. She didn't deny any of mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So he accused him kind of weakly of being disrespectful. Um, but <laughs> which like, sorry, girl, that ship has sailed. Like, <laughs> like there's just a point right like we're, right. <laughs> if like, you're taking it well yeah yeah it's too late for that um and I thought yeah okay like I'm I'm gosh I am on Chris's side here um and I thought he was trying to yet again say like we should break up um break up with me like let me out of this um and now i because i thought it was only for the like he just wants to be off the show like doesn't care but this news raises like throws that i don't know i feel like that doesn't work anymore because it seems like he's still in this now it just makes you think oh he just likes the drama like he likes yep he like he he is interested in in the drama um and the attention and and all of that um um i wonder if part of this i don't know like i was gonna say like their age could be part of this like they're both like 26 Mm um oh i forgot they were that young yeah yeah so they're really like assuming well i don't yeah they're just kind of of i feel like there's like that age maybe where they perhaps they've had these are the kinds of relationships they've had actually Mm -hmm. are like ones where you fight and you break up and then you get back together and then you fight and you break up and you get back together. And that's maybe just normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're just sort of playing that 
just kind of playing that out like over and over again and which is uh, god i wow less compelling yeah it's less compelling yeah it's less compelling anymore just like oh god like i am tired yeah as you said i'm tired of this (laughs) like i don't care totally (sighs) who are we missing Oh, uh, you know who also reminds me of a college couple? Um, uh, Vincent and Brie. They're like, oh. they remind me of like high school sweethearts or like, you know, they, they've they been dating since freshman year of college or something. Hmm. And they're just kind of together. Um, that's the vibe I get from them. Can you unpack that a little more? Uh, I think it's, they seem... They seem to genuinely like each other and there's a, a kind of easiness about them. Um, but I don't think... Uh, I just don't think outside of this experiment um, or this show that they would actually choose to be together. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I was thinking of like the way that like um when like you're dating somebody in college or high school like you kind of just like it's really comfortable and it's mm-hmm. familiar and and sort of safe and you know even though like there's probably even though there's you know probably want or should kind of move on or sort of you know spread your wings mm-hmm. a little bit <laughs> you just kind of stay in it um and because it's familiar and it's comfortable even though there are maybe like deeper things that aren't really quite lining up, but you just don't really touch those things. Like, I don't know. I just think Vincent does a, I I found him a little bit more kind of disingenuous, not disingenuous, but just like, I don't know. Like he just tells her what she wants to hear a lot. Yeah. And, and it's really to the camera, I think is presenting this, like this picture of this man who's like devoted and you know like caring and like selfless and all this stuff and I just don't I just don't believe it um yeah uh, yes was saying like that the the only true I think the most honest expressions of himself we've seen is when he's throwing temper tantrums <laughs> uh, yeah it feels yeah. like and because there's such it's such a like there's such a, a swing it feels like between those two um yeah so I just so it's like I believe that there's Mm -hmm. genuine like kind of authentic feeling between the two of them do I feel like they're really the best for each other I don't know I don't really see that uh I don't I can't yeah I don't I can't see like in action like how they really help each other be better or fulfilled or whatever yeah I don't really see it yeah it's weird I agree that like I think Vincent, as we've seen by his like early kind of locking himself in the closet and yeah. trying to like say that he was being disrespected while his mic was still on, which <laughs> chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> he's like very clearly like image conscious of mm-hmm. his edit and it does feel like a failure to produce them mm-hmm. almost. Um mm-hmm that all we get are either these like outbursts or they're like sweet sweetie moments you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I feel like I've learned like almost nothing about Brianna through Mm -hmm. all of this like Mm -hmm. because all the conflict just seems to come from his 
outbursts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, her whole presentation to us was like that she was supposed to be bossy and like mm-hmm. assertive and like all this stuff. And like, mm-hmm. we don't even see her really do that, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I think um, that's by design. I think that just as he, I think they're both image mm-hmm. conscious. I think that's the thing. She doesn't, she mm-hmm. probably knows I am boss. I am this. So she is kind of editing herself or censoring herself so that she doesn't come across that way. Um, totally. It's the only thing I can think, you know, uh, I think, that early that one little confrontation i think that that for both of them i think that they there seemed to be a decision made on some level where they were just not gonna or at least for her i think Mm -hmm. she was just gonna like not she was gonna tamp down that particular aspect of her personality and we you're right we haven't seen it and so it's yeah it's like i don't yeah i don't know anything about you two at all yeah yeah, it is like, it does feel like they're badly produced. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, and Virginia and Eric are still my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, they continue to get worse and worse every week, which is um, astonishing. It's quite a few. If I'm ever in a relationship where like I am giving or receiving a book of coupons as a gift she didn't even make the sex coupons like she bought sex coupons like god that's just like there's certain things like escape rooms and um paint night that I think are like culturally heterosexual (laughs) and like very damaging and like Sex coupons feel like culturally straight to me in a way that is like so grim. <laughs> Wait, you hold know? on. Um, I, I I haven't heard this take on escape rooms being culturally heterosexual, and I, I'm wondering if you could maybe say a little bit more about that. It's just a vibe. Uh, I can't explain it. Like I feel like it's just the ultimate like straight people they're at it again like they're constantly <laughs> looking for new stuff to do so they had to get like locked in a room you know like <laughs> they like god forbid they would ever just like talk to each other so instead they've had to have paid to be placed in the center of an elaborate puzzle with a false sense of urgency that also includes a photo op at the end of it <laughs> maybe the photo op is what makes it like culturally straight in ways that it's not just straight leaning i don't know i can't quite explain it yet but okay um (laughs) does that make sense to you i'm actually curious um hmm i think uh i know (laughs) i think the part that rings true is um this need this like kind of relatively do you think that axe throwing is culturally straight (laughs) yes especially (laughs) because one time i was dating a woman who identified as straight briefly which (laughs) i've not had enough therapy to unpack yet but took me axe throwing and thought it was like the quirkiest date and i was like i'm gonna die yeah (laughs) so I, i think there's uh so along with like uh, Cards Against Humanity and yeah. sort wow. of like activities that are, yeah. So this like people can't just like get together and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, this, yeah, I, I would, yes, I think there is sort of, it seems like 
a category of people and it does seem like they're mostly straight <laughs> the pain on your face I, I, <laughs> um which got, i really want to spend some time on this um uh can't because it because it's like all of my most of my friends who are not straight mm-hmm. um it just as i'm thinking about it just seem to be cool just like (laughs) like hanging out or just like doing I don't know just seem to be like able to not do an activity focused or centric like social hangout um more like it just it just it just seems like that um and that like the I guess like more straight people I know would be more excited about some kind of new just quirky this random thing that you can do um like get locked in a room or like this oh sorry well I don't know I was gonna say like these are things you can also do drunk um like that it's just like it's like they're either um, there are these weird things that actually go hand in hand with alcohol, it feels like, and that people won't do mm-hmm. that. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people like don't do them unless they're intoxicated or high or something. Um, and uh, yeah, I also think that there's a kind of um, maybe because also they seem like datey things too yeah. like they're they're totally. they're like date related stuff and um and that the date needs to be i think in like i think for a lot of straight people the date and like the sort of courtship there has there's a lot involved with that it, there has to yeah. be like this kind of i mean they can't really ju- people can't really just say like well i mostly would just like like to have sex um so are you do you want to do that at some point or not um it's usually more like well let me let's like get to know each other like even if I'm not really sure that I am that interested in getting to know you or whatever there's sort of the song and dance I think that goes along with a lot of like courtship um and Mm -hmm. relationships that there needs to be like a date and a thing that you're doing that's involved in this like you know getting versus just like oh let's just get coffee or just like hang out and have a beer and see if like we actually like each other you know uh I think that's I think that's a big part of it what what do you think yeah I think if I was tasked with drawing conversation out of a heterosexual man that I'd never met Mm -hmm. I too would maybe want activity or like something distracting you know like I can I can understand the impulse um (laughs) I also this is a theory on the fly but I also feel like this is all an outgrowth of like early 2000s mustache humor culture like there's this kind of like (laughs) like we have not moved past the desire for perceived novelty or quirkiness it's Mm. just been kind of like sublimated into these like more active things now that mustache humor is seen as obsolete for example like lumberjack humor feels like a very clear outgrowth of mustache humor which in turn 
lumberjack humor, I feel like directly leads to axe throwing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep working on this like yes. dissertation, but yeah. Yeah, this is, this is interesting, especially because it lumberjack as an aesthetic, it's become less, uh, I think, yes, like less like sort of utilized by men in particular. And so mm -hmm. there's more of a, right, yeah, it gets sort of like sublimated into something else, which I think, um, another theory kind of on the fly, I think this has a lot to, when you're talking about like, oh, I think it's really hard to draw anything of interest out of like a heterosexual man, you don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think that's in part because, uh, not that there's nothing interesting to draw, but just <laughs> necessarily. But I think it's it's because men, I don't think men are expected to be interesting. Like, do you sure. really want to talk to them? You know, have you, <laughs> do you remember what men are like? Like, have you, have you met a man before? Like talking to them is like, it's like, it's just, um, sometimes it's agonizing um mm -hmm. and how lim how just like limited and like the same they are and I suppose I I'm a man so um but but, but I you're all <laughs> but, I but I'm interesting oh. <laughs> and I also don't and you can correct me on this I don't experience you as like culturally straight no oh no 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 I'm not like yeah they're like a lot of like other straight men in my life who I don't think of as like culturally straight like mm -hmm. in the like you know you have more like you have a fluency and a comfort in like queer or just like non-culturally straight things <laughs> yeah and have and articulate feelings <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a big that one that I think like yeah yeah like it's like it's it's not necessarily about like I mean, men or straight men, I think it's about like cultural heterosexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, and I think you, I think you just said it. Um, if you don't have an activity to sort of mediate the experience that you're having, then what you yeah. do is you just basically talk to each other. And the more you talk to mm -hmm. each other, the more likely you are to sort of probably end up talking about feelings or about like yourself mm -hmm. or about you know how you sort of vaguely how you feel or get questioned about like how you feel or what you care about all this stuff and if you just don't a like to talk about that aren't used to talking about that aren't like mm -hmm. you know or what you have to say isn't particularly you know particular you know I don't know like well thought through or considered then it's like yeah mm -hmm. why would you why would you just get coffee with this dude who you know who you know to be like mostly just interested in you know sports and like drinking um you know or just kind of like not totally or or uh yeah just like not socialized really to like think of themselves seriously at all um mm -hmm. So yeah, of course you'd have this like, you want to have, you want to go out and like, you know, I was just, um, this is sort of a tangent, but um, this is a tangent, but it will make sense. Um, we were watching, <laughs> I introduced Yasmin to Summer House, um, which oh, nice. she wasn't a huge fan of um, mm -hmm. because 
Um, Yasmin is developing a very specific taste in reality TV. Um, she likes particularly watching rich people, like really like rich uh-huh. people behaving um, badly or just sort of like, I think she prefers more like aspirational type stuff. Yeah. She doesn't uh, like yeah. watching um, jabronis who like work like 40 hours a week like the rest of us like scrap together coins to rent a, a house in the Hamptons that they only go to on weekends because they can't afford <laughs> to take the summer off that's not her t- that's not that's not what she's interested in um yeah. but yeah. yeah I I realized when I was watching I was like oh like I know these she was saying like I know these people she's like they're too familiar and I was like yeah that, mm-hmm. for me I was like that's what I find interesting is that they're like um they're lame and they're mm-hmm. like the way that they talk about stuff is so surface level you don't talk about anything um mm-hmm. they just get drunk and they're so they're seemingly so shallow and like image obsessed and you know like we don't hmm. yeah we don't hear anything of substance from them most of the time and I'm just like yeah I am so familiar with this type of mm-hmm. person and this group of people and like they're the types of people that would go to an escape room um and <laughs> and and go axe throwing and you know and their social interactions are just like not this is what they do you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. they like go out of their way not to talk about anything that matters uh and things like escape rooms and axe throwing and all that bullshit they help facilitate that um and it's totally. no surprise that they're all fucking straight <laughs> they're like <laughs> you know they're, uh, yeah there's there's yeah i don't think i don't think that's a coincidence i agree with you i think it's related nice well now that we've alienated our <laughs> well i think we only have like two male listeners from what i've seen and i just would be shocked if they were straight so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sure they're one boy <laughs> <laughs> It was nice knowing, yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you think James Taylor listens? Oh my god, I forgot that he followed us. He followed us. I hope James Taylor, if you're out there, I was gonna say we'd love to have you on, but we probably actually wouldn't. <laughs> no, I was gonna say just keep listening. <laughs> keep listening. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shouts out to you. Thanks for the follow. Um, Please feel free to send us your thoughts on other culturally heterosexual activities to thebatchsignal.gmail.com. James Taylor. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, quite a tangent, but I think important. I think so too. And I think like connects up with some of my royal wedding feelings. Oh, if you're ready. Segue. Excellent segue. Yes, I'm so ready. Good. So I guess I wanted to like set the table for this or like frame this by just hearing like, so you told me off mic yesterday that you've been really into like Royal family, Harry and Meghan drama. And I didn't know this. And I just, I'm curious about like where your interest in it has been coming from. And I guess mm. what your like angle is when you're coming um, in this drama. Okay. So um, I d- sort of casually, sort of initially I was just kind of casually following it Mm -hmm. a little bit like I I guess I would say I don't know like all of the minute details of like their courtship all of that stuff but Mm -hmm. I am very familiar with their relationship with the like the UK sort of 
royal correspondence um and generally with sort of the public perception of her mm-hmm. and general like over the course of the last several years as she and harry have been um it, dating then engaged and and married and now like excommunicated um <laughs> and so i felt that i kind of had a good so for me i suppose as like an american who is not I'm not like fascinated by the royal family or like a, mm-hmm. a defender or, but I, I do find it, I just found it kind of interesting. So I was like, okay, I'll just pay attention to this. Um, particularly the perception of like the, but Megan's perception or the perception of Megan, cause it was so divisive mm-hmm. um, and strange. Um, and so when I saw that interview with Oprah, I was like, oh, whoa, this is like, crazy like this is actually fucking crazy that they're doing this um and i was also i think um sort of not surprised but like really i suppose dismayed by the american sort of public response to this Interesting. um and it, to the point where i'll maybe say more about this later but um there are very few times where I've been like genuinely like angry at my workplace um oh my god (laughs) yeah like especially like I I very few times because I had sort of make an effort to be like I'm just not going to this is fine it's cool whatever so I I am very chill at work Mm -hmm. um you're very chill in life and and in life yeah I don't yeah I should say I don't you're famously yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Like I'm easygoing. Um, I don't get, I don't get too high. And uh, one of my coworkers said something about, I think he brought it up. He mentioned something about the Royal, about, you know, if I watched the interview and said, yeah. And um, which I found very upsetting. And then he said, yeah, you know, it's just such a, a shame um, what happened to Megan. And I was just like, oh, so do you, or do you familiar with like, do you follow like kind of the the royal family that the beat or whatever? He's like, oh no. And I was like, so do you know anything about their relationship or anything? He's like, oh no, I just like watched the interview. And I was just like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I just like, for some reason there, I I just felt enraged. I was like, you don't, because I think before that I was just like looking at Twitter and watching all these people just like, like talk, say all this shit. And I was like, I don't think you really know what you're talking about, but whatever. Um, But then to realize that I was sitting next to somebody every day who uh, also like didn't, (laughs) was just like, was just like, oh, it's just such a shame. It's really fucked up all this stuff. I was just like, I, I can't, I was overwhelmed momentarily by how frustrated I was with this. And I, I took out, huh. I, I think in my tone, I took out all of my like frustration out on him um, briefly. Cause I was just sort of interrogating him. I'm like, do you know about this? Do you know about this? Do you know about this? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, you don't know anything then. Um, so, so all of that is to say huh. that I, I have found, actually, as I say this, my response to this really surprising um, and that I had more to say and more that I thought than I sort of really thought it. Because again, I'm not, I don't really care about the reputa- reputation of the of the British monarchy. Um, 
I do care a lot about, um, or I find really interesting, like the like the public perception management and um, the ways that, uh, like how I don't know, sort of the strategies I think to manipulate public perception, um, hmm. and also I think the just the cooperation of these like celebrities um in order just to make money uh, and and mm-hmm. and and sort of attempt to sort of defame or um slander anybody who is like i don't know i suppose obstructing them from doing so i just kind of i found all that i suppose again like the american like the british dynamic which is just like continues to be like and really interesting um mm-hmm. i just think yeah it's very interesting it's a very whole interesting like nuanced event series of events treated um with uh, characteristically like no nuance um or like mm. depth i think or very little um in sort of the kind of immediate reaction sphere in terms of like american media i thought so um yeah i've 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 been um thinking a lot about this the last couple of weeks um and often on the last couple of years so yeah so that that's hmm. kind of where i that's sort of where i am at least that's what kind of my general approach to this i'm so i'm curious what what's your like what is your sort of investment slash interest in this yeah so my investment <sighs> I think it's starting at like a hyper personal place. If I can like overshare for mm-hmm. oh, 10 please. seconds to our audience. Yeah. So like, there's kind of like two parallel, like tracks of things going on for me, which is like, I was raised, um, and like very indoctrinated into like Diana, princess Diana worship, like mm-hmm. my mom and like the women in my family, like really latched onto Diana mm-hmm. and like her death and specifically like, being in McDonald's drive through while my mom like explained the significance of her death to me is like one of my earliest memories. Like Whoa. I, I have an ingrained and like very emotional response to like Diana stuff in this way. That's like irrational. Like I love her <laughs> and like slights against her make me very emotional. Mm-hmm. And so I was very like, I think watching the interview, like, um, I mean, I, I bawled. Like, I was just like, anything that kind of invokes that Diana narrative is just like irrationally mm. emotional for me. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, I guess, as like true fans of the pod will know, like, I'm getting married in the fall. And I, as, as I've been like moving through that process, like, I've been having a lot of um, experiences like with my family and just like people like running up against kind of like the limits of of gender and this Mm -hmm. idea of like shared female experience Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know like feeling like excited to be invited to participate in shared female experiences Mm -hmm. while also feeling kind of like alienated by and not understanding confused by the expectations of them Mm -hmm. and kind of where those come together for me is like Diana culture and like, Mm -hmm. I guess, royal watching kind of along with like The Bachelor and I think reality TV more broadly have always kind of felt like safe entry points into like shared female experience, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. particularly with like, I don't know, conservative in the sense of like conservative about gender and like beliefs about gender, 
uh, members of my family or just like folks from back home, you know, like it's always felt like this kind of like safe, Mm -hmm. safe way to have a communal female experience or woman, whatever experience, whatever that means. And I think the fracturing of the reaction to the Meghan and Harry interview just within American audiences, Mm -hmm. I have no idea about the British stuff. Like, I think it was more polarizing than I expected, not because of necessarily like, because I guess I've always perceived like Diana worship is very like central to this thing. Like I think the, the fracturing of people's reactions to it and like women's reactions to it has kind of like, and as I'm kind of simultaneously having my own internal, like bristling against some stuff is just mm-hmm. like really, to me, it, it feels like, I don't know, an interesting vantage point through which to think about like, if it's possible again, to have like shared experiences like shared female experiences or woman experiences or whatever but also like what are the limits of those and like how much of is it possible to like are all of those things like just capitalist storylines about consumptions around like wedding or whatever like gender Mm -hmm. stuff and like Mm -hmm. can those things be separated or not and I think like the fact that this is being made into like a lifetime movie and like lifetime obviously is like Mm -hmm. a very specific capitalistic investment in gender in gender Mm -hmm. and gender relations like what does that mean I don't know like I don't have a conclusive thought about it but it all kind of feels like it's doing in this thing together that I'm still trying to unpack yeah that's where I'm at (laughs) okay uh thanks for sharing that yeah well I'm curious like what's your do you have like Diana baggage that you bring to this stuff or do you feel like this feels really separate from Diana stuff for you. Um, I um, I don't think I have Diana baggage. I mm-hmm. think um, when did she, when did she die? It was like late nineties, right? Yeah, I think we would have been in like kindergarten or first grade. So I um. Oh, way well, younger. Sorry, she died in '97. So yeah, we would have been kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, let's see. I vaguely remember like TV news about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it being on television, like vaguely, and that my mom watched it, but she didn't really. I don't remember her sort of stopping to sort of emphasize what it meant. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was just something my mom's kind of like this like she's um she's like a consume she's just like she consumes things like mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. much um direction like she I just she just like I feel like she she like we grew up I grew up watching like all kinds of sports like but mostly mm-hmm. like major sporting events like every kind of major sporting event mm-hmm. um all kinds of movies but usually like blockbusters um popular music for the most part like she just kind of she is like someone who just consumes I think popular media Mm -hmm. um just without much direction or taste like the taste is just like generally like popular stuff Mm -hmm. um and so and doesn't really differentiate like what's like really what she thinks is more interesting or not for the most part and so I think that um I say this because I think that this is 
part of how I developed my general a sort of general approach to like consumption and like especially like media is that like I kind of by habit just kind of consume a lot mm-hmm. um unlike my mom I do sort of I <laughs> can differentiate like what's like really important to me and what isn't um yeah but I think that this is also why I it picked up the Megan or the Megan and Harry sort of story in the first place was because, you know, it was a significant event in in the like, significant cultural event, and I was just yeah. I wanted to pay attention to it. Yeah, and I don't think I really, um, yeah, I don't think I really understood the the emotional response to. Diana I don't think mm-hmm. I yeah I didn't one I didn't understand it but two um I think so Yasmin is also a um she loves Princess Diana uh and mm-hmm. and so because mm-hmm. when you're speaking to like a share you know the sort of shared experience um I mean I guess this is just one other woman uh, that I <laughs> represent here we represent all women <laughs> but, but um <laughs> But I think you're, um, I mean, the reason I, I, I said, I appreciate you sort of sharing that because I think that that's, um, I think the, that anxiety about like shared experiences and not, and, and sort of a shared sort of perspective and on like a kind of a basic level trying to sort of shore up like identity, I think, um, yeah. in these times, I think that's sort of a lot harder to come by and, mm-hmm you're right that perhaps this represents in some way like a true like a real kind of break with um what I, I think perhaps popularly how like identities are sort of get sort of talked about and worked over um but I also think it's really significant like interesting significant that I think like Diana still represents like a kind of this is the response to Diana. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? It, it mm-hmm. seems to be sort of enshrined and protected. And these are all the associations that it seems like everybody has, like no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm really curious. I guess one of, one of the things I wanted to ask you was um, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, you can always say no, but I'm curious how your yeah, mom sure. explained the significance of her death especially because like my mom never explained it to me um (laughs) and you know maybe she uh, no she said like oh she was a princess and she died and it's sad and she was young and pretty and it's sad and I was like okay and my mom wasn't sad so I was like okay so you're not sad but it's sad all right I don't know whatever so I'm I'm curious what did what did she say to you I mean I think for her it was you know again because I was five was like a similar thing but there was just more emphasis on her as like a hero right or as this like kind of ideal woman and Mm -hmm. um yeah just like my mom was super emotional about it you know like we Mm -hmm. just like I think it was less maybe about the narrative I was given about Mm -hmm. her but just the sense that she was someone important and that Mm -hmm. this was something that could upset my mom right yeah 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 this loss was so significant um that it could be so upsetting to her so yeah and and it's weird because like i really didn't beyond like knowing the rough contours of what happened with her death and her life like Mm -hmm. didn't get more invested in like learning about it until i was like older right Mm -hmm, like in my mm -hmm. mid-20s um and i think 
part of that comes from this thing that I think has been happening culturally about kind of like this reclamation of um, aligned women from mm-hmm. like the 90s. Like mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, Gia Tolentino has some like great criticism on that, whatever, whatever. Um, that I think kind of like has been seeping in since like the aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to act like I'm like acting independently of those kind of like same forces, but um, there's no other like kind of I guess maligned or reclaimed woman that that brings out the same like just mm-hmm. emotion that yeah. like Diana stuff does because of those like early associations I think yeah yeah I think um, it's hard to Im- I think it's just hard to imagine for me mm-hmm. now something of an equivalent like an equivalent event happening like that um, yeah you know she was it it seems like uh you know at that point in time you know she was sort of the first um I mean as me and I were talking about this like given the time period um she was this kind of first like like celebrity royal or sort of treated like that and that um it's sort of you know, I think when, uh, I mean, it's sort of like, I guess I was saying it was like kind of a cautionary tale in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. because if you become, I mean, right, like the, the monarchy is itself a symbol. It's what it's there for. Yeah. Um, and it takes its role as a symbol and representation very seriously. Um, but I think this is part of why there's a lot of tension between individual standing out too much is because mm-hmm. if people identify too much with one particular person and not like the institution and not the tradition mm-hmm. um then uh, well i mean a host of things can happen that are bad but one of them being that they that the loss of this one person um can have an outsized effect on everybody mm-hmm. and and also mm-hmm. that the the pressure and um, scrutiny and expectation that comes along with being like the people's princess, um, it's not a you know it's not like a one way street. Like you don't just get to like you can't you don't just get to you don't get that adoration without uh, a cost associated mm-hmm. with it. And I think, um, I, I don't think it's really ironic the way that she died. I think it's more like kind of, a, it just directs me as sort of inevitable. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what the saddest thing about it to me is it just seems like, Oh, right. Like this seemed like it was just going to happen at some point. Um, and maybe it wasn't inevitable, but I think like in hindsight, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, yeah. Um, and I think what makes Megan hard to sympathize, it's hard for me to sympathize, it becomes more challenging for me to sympathize with yeah. her um, because she directly invokes Diana. Um, and mm-hmm. to me, that's like really cynical. And man- I read that as really cynical and manipulative hmm. because she's because it's not the same um it's really like not the same they it, it, once she's literally not diana but that like <laughs> it's it, it's it's that um i think 
based on the sort of narratives and some of like the other, the other some, some of the narratives um, that have come out in like the British press and um, just the, the kind of general relationship between the press and Megan is like, it's not, hmm. it, they don't, they never had the same relationship as they had with Diana and it, she didn't mean the same things. Um, and she wasn't, like it just wasn't it just wasn't the same like she wasn't I mean frankly she just wasn't that important I mean this is sort of like I think that this is kind of <laughs> yeah, like the, yeah. the more direct, she wasn't important she wasn't, impo- she just wasn't that it. important yeah uh-huh. and um and and the 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 royal family the, the firm institutions didn't want her didn't want anybody to be that important again um because hmm. uh, I think that on some level it's, I'm now I'm just sort of guessing but I think they understood on some level why and how that went badly um mm-hmm. and um so it's yeah that invocation of diana um and i think the kind what i see is sort of some manipulation of harry um because he's hmm. such a sad sack um <laughs> is is like I, I just find that kind of manipulative hmm. um especially to an american audience who like doesn't the association with Diana is simply like it is purely emotional and it's also like shorn of most of the context of absolutely what her life was like and how what she sort of did like just the way that relationship was really complicated with like the family and the press and all that stuff um it's not it looks similar kind of but it's really not the same and so I Hmm. just I I suppose I was watching it thinking like oh this is she's saying all the right things to get I think like Americans to be on her side she's invoking race she's invoking mental health both vaguely um and then Diana as well um (laughs) and I thought like oh yeah like that's like a that's like a trifecta right there like that's all you really need to say um to get people to sort of generally sympathize with you I think and that is the way that like Hmm. culturally right now in America I think that's the way that like rhetoric works um especially like on social media all that stuff especially like popular like in the sort of media celebrity sphere like that's that is the language that they've been using I think to um to create like narratives like straightforward narratives of victims and um, mm-hmm. and also I guess to make us feel bad for rich people which is this like separate issue it's a separate issue right. but I think but sure, I, sure, I, sure. I think it's all it's all sort of it's all related I think um, totally. and also not always exactly like what happened um, yeah I can't remember where I was going with that but I, I, I guess that so I guess it's speaking to like the Diana narrative I think I I perhaps because that wasn't my response because my relationship to it is like a little bit different I don't think I when she's when she said it I thought of it as cynically like oh Hmm. wow that's like a good move but I don't think I don't think that that's true um yeah I think that was part of my response to it Hmm. so tell me more like outside of the Diana cynicism like what's your what's your like hot take you're like 3,000 foot your elevator pitch for like what Americans are getting wrong about this. Um, I think, um, I think what Americans are getting wrong about this is that, um, 
the royal family like they're not celebrities in britain um they and they Mm -hmm. they don't function as celebrities like it's and so their relationship to the press is very different um Hmm. they they're like it's a job uh it's they like senior royals in particular they have dude like their do their job is to represent the commonwealth and like the ideas of britishness um and to Mm -hmm. like be like the public face of great britain um we don't have an equivalent Mm -hmm. of that in america and so i think that's probably why it's hard to like understand that but um Mm -hmm. even when Meghan markle talks about she says there's a difference between like the family and the firm and like all this stuff it's like yes Mm -hmm. that is true um she's right like it's true and that but what like she wasn't saying is that the being a part of the family is in some ways a job and Mm -hmm. what's really the truth is that she didn't like the job um she wasn't Mm -hmm. interested in the job and the responsibilities and she didn't like the way that um it sort of limited her ability to like increase her sort of celebrity um Mm -hmm. and her ability i think to capitalize on that which is Mm -hmm. not what they're supposed to do um Mm -hmm. because again like Mm -hmm. you get funded like you your life has supplemented by like the british taxpayers like you don't make you don't make money like you shouldn't be doing that so Mm -hmm. you know there's a part where she talks about like not being protected and what she's talking about is the press were so the press were saying things sort of saying uh well i think in particular they published stories about um her father like her father like gave some sort of interview or something that was like critical um and i think like sort of past family members or friends had did not have glowing things to say about megan and so the press was mm-hmm. publishing them they're publishing them because they they had a developed an acrimonious relationship with harry and megan and that happened because um this is where it's connected to diana it's like slightly less about megan and more about harry because harry has always felt that the press were responsible for his mother's death um Mm -hmm. and like justifiably so i think um that they that the role of the press and the media had an effect on not only her life but also like literally the circumstances of her death um it's probably a little bit more complicated than that but like there's no doubt that the press had a role and so and also he's always been kind of like i think sheltered from well actually literally because of after because of the event those events he was always he won sheltered from a little bit more of the public scrutiny and pressure that came along with it and so i think in some ways he's been um he's developed a i think he is he sees the press as adversaries and a part of what makes being a senior royal so horrible and um doesn't recognize that like actually their role is really to fucking uh convince the british population that the royals need to be there (laughs) Um, Uh, yeah um but but you know of course he doesn't see that um or it makes sense that he wouldn't see that so there was um so basically like there they sort of developed like a um 
oh sorry the other thing is that like megan kind of uh you know she did things she there she did some things that were were criticized um and or at least like the way that they covered it wasn't like glowingly positive and harry harry and megan responded to that very defensively and i think really where things took a turn is when they um they sued i can't remember which publication but they sued a, yeah. a paper for talking to her dad and that was a big deal because mm-hmm. the 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 firm or the institution's position is that they don't really comp they don't comment on press stuff they don't get involved they just kind of they don't get involved um mm-hmm. not like you know not really directly and Megan and Harry wanted them to be more direct um I think about like sort of uh disputing some of these stories or taking up for Megan etc and they, they were like we're not going to do that so this is where and they and we're not going to let you like respond respond like we're gonna like limit the way that you can respond so um this is part of why she it seems feels that they she and harry feel that um the institution didn't do enough to protect them and they're specifically talking about the press relationship um yeah and it was not it was not good i mean it wasn't good but it's not true that the press just like had a sort of agenda it's more like they were kind of doing things um that would be anybody would be criticized for and then getting like really Mm -hmm. irritated when they were criticized believing that they were sort of above it um or that it was motivated it was personal and not motivated more by like this year sort of flaunting tradition or like being rude or um um stuff like that so um I, so it's just I don't know it, it's I I guess like the thing that's interesting to me about it is um just that like it's actually like really complicated and it yeah. really probably comes down to one person not really wanting to like really not liking just not wanting to do this job and it being a bad fit in that way um but it's been the way it's been sort of uh like spun is in like that there is like something even more nefarious going on um Mm -hmm. so yeah I, i guess like but i find it interesting that um I find like significant and interesting that like it, it seems like the what seems to be like the popular American response to this seems like like very um, particularly American and that like you have um, uh, these like American um, celebrities and like companies who realize who are like monetize who are like sort of using this as an opportunity to like monetize the storyline um, mm-hmm. and like sell it and then you also have like Megan and Harry sort of benefiting from that, not necessarily literally monetarily, but like in terms of reputation and which eventually they'll use to sort of cash in. Um, All of what, and all of all, like, it just seems like all of, and the effect is like, it throw, like, it seems, I'm really not a royal apologist. I'm really like not a defender of the monarchy at all. But, 
I just it it from my point of view, it just I just really hate to see like mostly it's like I hate to see certain rhetoric used really cynically and manipulatively to um like damage reputation. Well, not damage reputation. It's like just cynically so that like certain people can get what they want. Um yeah. even though they don't necessarily care or they know that they're being misleading or they know they're lying. Like certain things like um in the interview went kind of gone on a long time about this. Um yeah. when Megan um talks about uh when she talks about how like Archie wouldn't be given a title um mm-hmm. and all this stuff and like it's like and seeming like that that was unfair and it's like no that's like the law like it, it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with Archie it has to do with like descendants and like who has titles and who doesn't and that um and that he wanted to get protection as a prince and it's like yeah but that's not the royal family like that's Scotland Yard like they just they like determine like who gets what protection and stuff like the royal family doesn't really deal with that and the fact that like Harry probably knows that but he's mm-hmm. saying the, he's like kind of agreeing or sort of essentially co-signing these her statements even though he has to know that that's a lie um mm-hmm. he has to know that the queen actually made a lot of her staff available to help Megan transition um and to sort of give her tips and pointers and educate her it's like he has to know that and so it's just it, it's um and some of her stuff about like saying that you know that she is experiencing suicidal ideation and that she didn't feel like she could get help it's just like oh, are you really are we really to believe that you couldn't like that they weren't going to let you like talk to somebody like I just I don't know I I um it just all of it just struck me a lot of it just struck me and Oprah's whole thing it all it all struck me as a uh so a means to a particular end and um and kind of really like vengeful and like petty um in a way that i found generally distasteful and and that will sort of handsomely reward um both megan and harry and oprah and cbs um in all all way i found like kind of generally upsetting um and that sort of general sense of upsetness i did take out on my coworker and like a <laughs> like not like too much but i was like I was very mad at him. <laughs> animating. I think what I interpreted is animating a lot of Harry and Meghan's feelings, but also that I think has been like omitted from the American narrative completely mm-hmm. in a way that I find really baffling is mm-hmm. like the Prince Andrew question oh. that, I, that I think is floating in the background. So I guess like for non-royal watchers in the audience, like, uh, um, Prince Andrew was like a friend of Jeffrey Epstein and has mm. been accused by multiple American women of sexual mm. assault when they were underage. And I think a lot of the rules about press relationships and like not commenting, the queen has broken to mm. defend mm. Andrew publicly, yeah. like a lot. Yeah. You know, and he was not required to give his royal status up. There was like no investigation. There's been uh. a ton of they really bent over backwards to defend Andrew from rape allegations, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that 
if I were like Harry witnessing all of this with that baggage, uh, I, totally I see, yeah. I will be upset, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. if that's who the queen is going to circle rally, or the family's going to rally around Andrew, but not rally around Megan, who I do think was in some ways like still treated unfairly by the press or mm. at least like uh, the criticism was at least less justified than the criticism of Andrew for being a rapist. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> was there you know so um i was really surprised they never brought it up and i'm surprised just given like i don't know these ideas and the zeitgeist around like trafficking and jeffrey mm -hmm. epstein and whatever that like that comparison hasn't come up more because to me that feels very motivating or like frustrates me a lot yeah what do you um i hadn't even thought about that I, that's such mm -hmm. a I, that's such a significant observation um Especially given the right, like that there's uh, this convention can be broken depending on who it is. And mm -hmm. I think it, I think that, like, my perception is that the way that they thought about the news coverage of Megan was kind of either small potatoes or mm -hmm. kind of like, well, like you're sort of, uh, I think that. Megan was like ruffling some feathers inside the institution. Mm -hmm. And I think that they, and kind of, I think they saw her as being kind of cynically motivated in the things that mm -hmm. she was doing, the way that she was acting and that they felt like the press coverage largely was like, well, this is sort of what you get. Kind of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. um, so, yeah so i think that's like that's my guess as to like why they just didn't take it as seriously um mm -hmm. and but so i'm wondering but i don't know if you've raised that why do you think why do you think that narrative is that question's been omitted that whole because like, it just like just happened so you know or it feels like what it, it, this is like recent um within the last two years last year i think right um the allegations emerged in like 2015 against prince andrew but i think re-emerged around like right. jeffrey epstein's suicide in arrest right. yeah right so yeah what do you what do you make of the omission i don't know you know i think like um i think people in america aren't like maybe as interested in thinking i don't know like right it's like we're not in the press of that every day and mm -hmm. I, I do think our collective memory is kind of like short so i think that like <laughs> yeah. and there was plenty there with the narrative right that mm -hmm. i think um there was to work with like it never came up in the show right so it was mm -hmm. never expressly stated so i think that is makes it like less likely that an american audience would like have that on the brain mm -hmm. i i also think I guess the allegations have never been substantiated. Not mm -hmm. that I don't think they're real, but I just think because of the nature of the situation. So um, I could see like the press being concerned about libel, like not wanting mm -hmm. to make allegations and drag it out. Although, mm -hmm. yeah, so I think that's part of it. And I don't know what Harry's relationship to Andrew is like, like, vis-a-vis -vis all this you know mm -hmm. like where he stands on those allegations like right it's his uncle and if <laughs> like 
rumor and the crown is to be relieved. It's believed it's the queen's favorite child too, right? It's her preferred son. Mm, so, yeah. um, yeah, I could just see him also having like a reticence, Harry specifically still mm-hmm. having some of that like protective instinct of a family member to not drag mm-hmm. it, him into it when his beef is with Charles. So, right. And, and William. So, um, yeah, that's my guesses of like what's happening there. But mm-hmm. I I wish that there was more discussion of that because I I do like generally agree with like what you're saying, but um that comparison is just like so striking to me. I don't know. Yeah. Um I think I one thing I I feel like I've fallen into this trap a little bit where I've kind of can I've agreed to the terms of this debate which is like you're either (laughs) like on side of like you know of Harry and Meghan and or or in this case like the royal family and I think in this specific you know as opposed to as you know as I really try and do more often to like take the what seems to be like a wider view so I really I appreciate you bringing in the you know Prince Andrew and those allegations because it's just like a reminder again that like the um that the family and the institution is really interested in like it it picks and chooses its battles and it's like really you know as a sort of relations firm is yeah careful about that and like which members are kind of i suppose expendable and which ones aren't and i suppose has a lot to do with what, how the queen feels about that um and what she considers serious and whatnot um mm-hmm. i mean it's sort of adding to this um you know there were i think the week before or days before um the oprah the interview aired um there were there was a story written in the times about um allegations of um Megan bullying members of the royal staff <laughs> yeah uh-huh. and um to me one of the most interesting parts about that was that you know a complaint was made by their own communications director but mm-hmm. that um and a meeting was held and nothing was done um, mm-hmm. And that the, the feeling of, of the staff that like they did a lot of like the men in gray suits did a lot to protect Megan um, mm-hmm. and and no doubt Harry. Um, and so I just think it, mm-hmm. it, it's and so um, I don't know, it made me think about it made me again think about like the family as um as an institution as a sort of a company as a um and who and like which like workers even within that own company are protected and which ones aren't and how um i mean that all these like all these things can be true at once you know that like megan was let down by the family and not sort of sort of like you know, taken up for and that she like bullied like staff and that um, she was, pro- she was protected in that case um, mm-hmm. because perhaps it would look incredibly bad, um, you know, for, for the Royal family, if this were to, if those were sort of to be taken seriously. Um, mm-hmm. But that like, yeah, like the calculation is really about 
the reputation of the crown itself and, and of the mm-hmm. queen and like what is the worst like what's like the best option for that and um I can understand why and how like Harry for example who probably understands that and can see it and and it perhaps thinks it's shitty um Mm -hmm. would you know would think it's shitty and then to kind of act in such a way that would um you know sort of sort of spit in the face of of that Mm -hmm. prerogative um I think honestly I think more than anything I just think that like it's I don't know if it's um I don't know part of me think well it's like family business uh like it's their kind of bullshit and I don't really want to be 100% and like I was like I don't want to part of me is like I don't want to litigate too much because it's their it's like literally their bullshit as like has nothing to do Mm -hmm. it's like literally nothing to do with like Americans at all most of it right and (laughs) yeah and so just sort of and this is like the tension I have in myself is like I where I'm kind of like I'm so interested in this but I'm also like emotionally I'm like really distant from it because I'm like this is I personally don't think Megan had any right to be treated like well necessarily because she was a princess or whatever. I'm just like, sure. if they're going to be shitty to each other, they're going to be shitty to each other. You know, I don't know. Like I, 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 right. I, I you know, totally. I mean? so as a part yeah. of it's just like, when she's sort of, when she's like, woe is me. Like they, you know, they didn't treat me well. I'm just like, Oh, well, I mean, you're not British. I, like, I don't know. I just like, you are, <laughs> there's a running that's, I'm really just like, yeah. yeah like, I mean, you're in, I feel like the the British are notoriously a bit like well, Americans are xenophobic too, but like they're not particularly yeah. welcome of welcoming of outsiders, um, especially like non like subjects of the crown. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I th- I think that that a kind of stiff reception or performative one was to be expected, and not that it justifies any of it, but it's just like. I'm just, I guess I just feel, I'm aware of my own distance from it and the attempts to sort of close that distance, I think, um, and that I'm resisting those a little bit um, and like sort of ready Hmm. to to admit that like, you know, I'm not there, I wasn't there and that, that it's messy and, and really complicated. And I'm also, I guess, willing to, especially given like Harry and like Diana and like the whole thing and like the really codependent relationship with like the press and Mm -hmm. the family and like the, you know, what that actually means for them and what it looks like. I don't really envy any of them. It kind of seems fairly shitty. So, so yeah, it just feels like complicated and messy and, um, uh what was I gonna oh like with the Prince Andrew stuff I just it's like right and also like that okay it's not just like this like faceless institution like that they there are just people here making decisions based on who they care about the most uh you know on some level and and what they care about and like what they're probably emotionally tied to and and invested in and, and what they're not and um and that I think that too, like more than anything, is I don't know. Like when I read the story about like, oh, this person they just like covered for Megan allegedly, um, and I was like, oh, this sounds like 
fucking that sounds like so many other like workplace dramas yeah. or like stories about like allegations of abuse um against like someone with like an enormous amount of power and influence in the organization and like hr just covers for them um it reminded me of my own workplace and like mm-hmm. stories of people just leaving like like just leaving like a lot because of how abusive like the managers are and you know complaints are filed but nothing happens i was just like oh this is just this is like so the same thing that happens everywhere and that you know the gloss being like it's the royal family doesn't really change like the human dynamics and elements at play and um um and 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 certainly is related probably to the omission of the andrew narrative um you know what i mean yeah and i think what you're saying about like not having the context or like not wanting to get in the personal issues is kind of like what I don't know is that same tension that makes the royal family like compelling for me Mm -hmm. to follow sometimes it's because like as Americans like I don't have a a sense of their political significance or necessarily a stake in their political significance Mm -hmm. so they're kind of this like rich people raised in captivity you know what i mean (laughs) it is these like captive rich people who Mm -hmm. have this like insane intrigue um and i think like sometimes the danger of that is like it gets treated in this like way where it's like more akin to celebrity gossip Mm -hmm. than political significance here like even even down to having oprah do the interview frankly Mm -hmm. right she's not a political correspondent right and um i feel sometimes cynical about that treatment and my own enjoyment of it in like that sense because when it comes to things of political significance or like to the prince andrew stuff i think sometimes that is more easily brushed aside Mm -hmm. because of this kind of like idea that it's like gossip celebrity mm-hmm. in a feminine space almost you know like oh yeah the one and I never ever tweeted celebrities because I don't care but one time I tried to like start a twitter war with Michael Barbaro the host of the <laughs> daily because like <laughs> they did an episode about Harry and Meghan's wedding I think it was when they got married mm-hmm. and kind of like the disparate responses in the press to Kate versus Meghan and mm-hmm. I was like by making this just about weddings and celebrity gossip, you're like totally missing the point. And like, this is salient and not just like fun, you know, right, but right. Uh, I get very far enough about that sometimes, but I also like find myself again, like falling into that same trap of like mm-hmm. enjoying it as kind of akin to the way I enjoy like the real housewives or something when yeah. it's, it's not that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you, yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you said that because that, I think that is, that is essentially my, disposition or like my sort Mm -hmm. of relationship to it too is like it feels more like celebrity stuff even though they're not celebrities um and I I think um so there's only I don't know and I also think again like kind of not only the thinking about the emotional the emotional sort of significance and symbolic Mm -hmm. significance of of the family like you know, I, I, you know, I'll read some of like the British sort of, you know, mag takes on this or, you know, and stuff. And I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. It's such, it's such a weird thing. It's, it's a weird, like they have a a weird system set up where they have this archaic institution that 
represents an age that has passed and they but they hold on to it because it is a really important significant part of their identity and maybe I'm not like concern trolling really I think there's (laughs) I think I can just I think I can understand how weird and hard it would be to I suppose this is principally what is behind Brexit on some level is like Mm -hmm. this shift this really shift this a huge shift in like sort of one like a, a, a British person's understanding of themselves in relation to the world and like and their own identity being like changing and their reaction to that being very bad um I think Americans are have been experiencing that for a little while now and it's not great and I don't want to I don't know I I this this is like I suppose what happens when like the subjects of like a dot crumbling empire or like mm-hmm. inside it while it's crumbling and decaying. Um, and it's definitely like, not necessarily like what, like what was us, but just like, this is like what's happening. And, yeah. um, and this like, it just, it's, I don't know. There's, there's something ab- ab- about this whole experience, like the whole event of it that, made it seem like really cheap and not um sort of complicated and also it didn't it didn't give me any any more hope that like as an american like culture or like a, as a sort of american like populace that will deal with our own sort of crumbling and shifting and frustrated like fractured sense of I, I like identity like any better um because yeah. I guess like speak like I guess to sort of circle back to what you're speaking to a little bit you know as we sort of started talking about this um this idea about shared experiences and the, a shared sense of like what this thing means and like what mm-hmm. values are attached to it um I think um it, it's it's hard to come by these days um you know even even down to just the media we consume you know like mm-hmm. and the people who consume i mean for example like you could look at the bachelorette and or the bachelor and think okay like here's like a, here's a group of people who are consuming this but like even within this group there's all these fractures um and you know i don't think it's naive to like like yearn for a sort of some kind of shared experience that's not as fraught um that feels stable and feels like yeah um energizing almost and like uncomplicated and like there's got to be something like that out there um you know maybe the real housewives of atlanta uh I, <laughs> um <laughs> you know um but i but i yeah. i so i guess i i really get what i, I think i understand what you're getting at Mm-hmm. I think you understand it better than I do. I think I'm still <laughs> like grappling with because I was honestly like, well, I guess a spoiler alert is my mom hates Megan and, and took this really anti-Megan stance after the interview in a way that like resulted in us having a fight that was surprising. Oh, and and it was just so surprising to me because of the Diana mm-hmm. history, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of there's there is like a large 
or not unsizable and I guess among more like conservative folks about like react negative reaction to Megan and mm-hmm. like this happening and like I think I agree or I, I was surprised that this wasn't more of a shared experience you know oh. even with the lack of texture in America or like lack of texture of the narrative in America mm-hmm. and lack of subtlety um it still ended up being divisive and that's probably like for the best right like mm-hmm. it it to me feels like it's really clearly breaking along like feelings about like racism right like it's yeah. race mm-hmm. is the difference i think with yeah. the, then with the diana stuff and mm-hmm. like that's where that breaks and that's good information it makes sense or not makes sense yeah. in the sense that racism makes sense but it makes sense that like white people are having that reaction to megan mm-hmm. um but it was just surprising too you know yeah. because again like diana did feel like this really unifying experience mm-hmm. then and now so what's Wait. left for us yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, sports games sports um married at first sight married at first sight yeah which then i guess pulls in right like maybe i'm reading too much of the negative reactions towards megan in the sense that like if they're getting a, a lifetime movie that i'm anticipating is going to be very pro Megan and Harry, mm-hmm. uh, which I can't wait to watch it. Um, all three, <laughs> all three, all three of, of these uh, these films. I it, I did a double take because I thought they were documentaries, so I had to look really uh-huh. hard at the faces of the actors and realize that's not it nothing like them. Though. I know, I, I I know, I know, but I just for some reason I was just like they have a they film they have behind the scenes footage like this is amazing like how genius someone realized that they should be filming all this stuff um yeah totally yeah someone in harpo studios is like <laughs> picking the shit up off the cutting room floor like <laughs> stitching it together yeah gail uh, yeah um well you know wait wait i was gonna i thought you were gonna where you were gonna go with that was like mm-hmm. it like marriage as being like a, a kind of unifying experience or like hmm. something that like hmm. potentially yeah. like everyone can not just marriage but like everything that comes with that the associations with it and, yeah um and also I sort of loosely but connectedly like the sort of I in some ways like the kind of um sort of capitalist like investments in marriage too like that we all kind of in some way no matter how you feel about it like have feelings about and Mm -hmm. and I think that maybe that's something that is really different from um for example just like the role of family stuff where like you can have where someone can be can like not really have feelings about it or like a kind of neutral in a way and I think that maybe perhaps that's the key between something that's unif like a kind of touchstone and something that's mm-hmm. not it's like if you can just kind of opt out kind of really you know in a way um hmm. then it's not it's not something that everyone has to deal with but if you like if it's again even if like for example you don't want to get married or not interested in it you, there you still have that's still like a significant decision that has a lot yeah. of reasons and thought and like emotion and sort of maybe like a reality around it that's like something that everybody has to engage with on some level everyone has feelings about it um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 
I I'm sort of realizing maybe that's part of what feels sort of purer about Married at First Sight is that it's like centrally concerned with just marriage and and the things mm-hmm. that come with that and that's I think something that everybody under I think any American in particular can like understand the stakes of this and the emotions around it like mm-hmm. everybody knows somebody everyone's been to a wedding everyone knows someone who's gotten married everyone like mm-hmm. everyone you know what I mean like it's just it, it's a it's a touchstone you know everyone has feelings about it Totally. Well, it's interesting too, like the way that Lifetime isn't making the movie about just Megan and Megan's experiences. It's framed as like part of their royal romance, like mm-hmm. trilogy, right? It is ultimately about marriage, mm-hmm. wedding, relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, in this way. I like was, uh, this is for a different pod, but. I've been like down this rabbit hole of like thinking about HGTV as corporate television developed to attract a female audience in the same way that Lifetime is, but as a foil to Lifetime. But like (laughs) one thing that I, so I've been researching like Lifetime network history. Mm -hmm. What else would I do? (laughs) And (laughs) one interesting thing about Lifetime is like originally, um, their movies and scripted TV shows that weren't syndicated reruns, which initially was a lot of syndicated reruns actually were more about like uh, women acting independently and like less of an emphasis on relationships, but they actually mm-hmm. in response to feedback from male viewers so that they could get a male audience of like men watching it with their wives to like game the Nielsen rating system. They mm-hmm. actually like changed intentionally changed how um, relationships and men are written in Lifetime movies to make them more significant and more masculine. Whoa. Like it's it's literally capitalism motivating presentations of men on this network and um, the idea of like that lens being applied to their relationship and like Harry's role in the narrative in a way that I think like while it is fiction, just like the crown is, like when it's about real people, we just, mm-hmm. I think, digest it as real, or at least I do, I, <laughs> especially yeah, with I the do. crown. I do as well. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying really hard yeah. not to like take impressions from the crown and into like my thoughts on this, um, but it, it, it certainly has influenced it, um, in part because I don't live in the UK. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so just this like Americanized capitalist lens on. Harry and Meghan and like their dynamic and Harry in particular I think is going to be like so interesting because even like I feel like women on Twitter were just like Harry is what happens when a straight man goes to therapy and like it's amazing and I not that I don't think he's like a fine husband but it's just like we have projected mm-hmm. marriage and norms like onto them so heavily without really knowing what the fuck's going on right <sighs> wow um I can't wait to watch these these films and review them with you. I'm so excited. I think that first one's out, right? It, like is it? They're, there's the Royal Romance one, which I think is their first one. And I don't know what the second one is. But we could at least start with Harry and Meghan, colon, a Royal Romance. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to have to do that. <laughs> yes. In a future pod, we were going to review this film. Um, I, you know, honestly, I really, I, I love when we're like, I love where we've gone with this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I, I think especially, you know, when you sort of, sort of in bringing in lifetime and just, just, I think um, in a way that's different than like the, uh, ABC's relationship with the Bachelor yeah. franchise, um, because right, like the ABC, it's 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 remit is like quite large um, and broad and hard to pin down to have like be interested in a particular like ideology or investment. But mm-hmm. with Lifetime, like clearly, as as you've laid out for us, um, <laughs> uh, they they have a prerogative, they have an ideology, they have a sort of value, they have a, a, they have a very specific thing that they're doing. And that perhaps can be tracked through all of their programming and Mm -hmm. literal shifts in their programming. Um, Mm -hmm. um, All again, as you said, all tied to like, you know, capitalist (laughs) imperatives and, and, and patriarchal ones also Um, like that's um, yeah. That's like, that's, I, I think that's just really, really significant. Totally. Well, and like famously, Lifetime is actually owned by A&E Networks, which is a joint venture with the Disney company, which is related to ABC. Because uh, they separate. Disney owns ABC now. Yeah. So like that's one universe versus like this is my working theory. I'm still teasing out, but like versus HGTV is actually owned by the discovery network, which is independent of those groups. So mm-hmm. it's like, we could even just be seeing like different marketers and executives perceptions of what gender wants. And then in turn internalizing them. And yeah, but anyway, I do, I do wonder if like, bachelor lifetime partially represent like more conservative views or emphasis Mm. on women and relationships as a whole right as part Mm. of this package of being disney Mm. and whatever there does seem to be a thread of like investments and in marriage and wedding culture wow um okay (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) that's an amazing connection no i i I, tease on yeah i i i yeah i think we should continue to chew on that i i suspect you're 100 percent correct um Especially thinking of, uh, I'm just thinking of, like of of 90 Day Fiance, um, yeah. and it's also invested in marriage, but like is not, um, but is non traditional in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. It features characters and people that we don't see in the kinds of programming associated with. I guess like the Disney cinematic universe, Mm -hmm. Um, just down to, I mean, this is like fairly basic, but um, just like the the, the way that people look. Um, Yeah. You know, uh, we we see in Fiance, we see a lot of people of varying ages, body types, Mm -hmm. races, um, nationalities. Mm -hmm. And in like the, you know, but in these sort of read the Disney shows, like even just thinking of like Married at First Sight, we see a lot of often like, fairly telegenic people for the most part mm-hmm. um younger for the most part um and really like invested in um sort of cementing and i think uh sort of reflecting not challenging particularly 
these norms and ideas and values around like marriage, sex, gender, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Whereas 90 Day Fiance, for example, mm-hmm. there seems to like not be as much of a lot of anxiety or interest in making sure that those ideas stay the same. It's almost mm-hmm. just, it's in fact, it's like, I mean, they just literally talk about marriage as like a legal obligation or as like a means to an end for, yeah. and like not as like the end point of a love story. Um, and in a, in a way that treats, I think kind of more, uh, I don't know. I just feel like these are like normal people. Um, and these yeah. other people are like not normal. Um, and that they do it with such like, I don't know. It's pretty clear eyed most of the time. Um, and more than anything that, for example, and, and, uh, Nadia fiance, they created a show in which they like, can't have total control over the narrative at all. They can't predict Mm -hmm. it. They can't really plan it. Like there's it, they have, they're introduced all these variables that they can't control. Um, perhaps because they have less money i don't know but it but i think at least the effect of it is that it feels a bit more real to me um yeah and i love thinking about discovery the network as a kind of counterpoint or a response as you said to disney um and i'm yeah i want to continue to follow that thread yeah, yeah, because TLC is a discovery property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, like, at some point, we're going to have to figure out, like, how we reconcile dance moms with all of this. It's such an outlier. Um, maybe not. Oh, we totally should. And I think, oh, I think, um, I think, I, I think it actually matches up pretty well. I mean, because just, I mean, just generally, I mean, my first thought is, like, well, what is dance moms like we have these women who um who some of them like their primary job um is to rear their children um and they sort of funnel all of perhaps their like energy their dissatisfaction their frustration at their particular position into these petty bickering fights with other with these other women and also i think um also take their feelings anxieties and things out on their children um Mm -hmm. often living vicariously through them often sort of pressuring them to uh, uphold certain expectations whether it's like being uh winning at certain types of femininity Mm -hmm. uh, you know scrutinizing their bodies stuff like that which is all um really hard to watch um but i think it i think it actually Mm. slots in pretty comfortably with the narrative about like what women are supposed to and girls are supposed to be and think um and um yeah confirm narrative about kind of how our traditional narrative about like how women are um and how they are with each other and um yeah and and so i i yeah i I think when we do like explore dance moms again i i think we'll i i suspect we'll find that it matches up pretty well with what um lifetime is trying to express um and and wants people to think and believe Hmm. i'm gonna return to the text like i'm still working my way through dance moms (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna keep going with that in mind yeah i like this hypothesis as something to follow you know Mm -hmm. um well if our listeners have any ideas of shows that (laughs) 
confirm or deny our suspicion that Discovery Plus Network has a different marketing view of gender than ABC and Disney properties do, you should DM them to us on Twitter at take off my mic or for now email us at the batch signal at gmail.com. <laughs> no idea when we're gonna change that. Probably never Probably never, never get emails. And or leave it in a re- five star review on iTunes. That'd be great. Mm, only five stars, though. Only five stars. Um, four or I think four plus a suggestion. Yes, I think followed okay by too. deleting the review. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> leave it up for twenty four hours. But that's it. I can. I only assume that's what's happening. Is that people are they? They're actually <laughs> they're making them and they're thinking. Actually, I don't think so. And they they change their mind. They think about it. They let some of the things that we've said sort of marinate. And they're like, mm, I'm gonna take that one back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that world in which people are listening to us enough to think about rating us on itunes <laughs> uh, well with that um we'll uh see you next week see you next week <laughs> Woo! i don't know what's good yeah <laughs> Make money, money, take money, money, what? Make money, money, take money, money, what?